The brothers wish. The brothers wish, brothers wish. The brothers wish. The brothers. You're now listening to Greg. Hey everybody, this is Greg with the Brothers Wish number 139 coming from Texas or is this uh, Seattle, Washington? You can't tell. We both have the same climate. So no way. I take that back. Those guys are boiling up there, and it's like a balmy 85 here. It's really it's not too bad. So uh, roll reversal. I don't know. It's raining all the time here, and it's hot as uh, all get out up there. Ooh, I had to pivot really quick. I almost said a naughty word. Uh, <laughs> but with us today, <laughs> we have Mikey Hammett from Chicagoland. Hey, uh, and... We've had a lot of rain here too recently. Uh, one of my fiber guys jokingly put in a um, requisition for a boat so that he could continue doing the uh, fiber pulling and splicing. Oh yeah, God, that's gonna suck. Trying to uh, trying to bore or trench or any of that stuff in this slop. I can't imagine it. Yeah, I'm assuming construction pretty much just stopped. Well, I don't know. Boring guys. I mean, they kind of just. Oh well, I mean, it depends on where they're at. Like I'm used to seeing them bore in the city, so they're you know, the rigs usually sitting on concrete or something, so that'd probably be fine. But I'm assuming most people doing that stuff are uh, sitting there, sitting their rigs on dirt, so that's probably not the best uh, best time to be doing it. Yeah, it's a, and like you know, industrial dirt or like you know, like a, like a a road ditch or something where it doesn't really matter. Okay, but like if you're in like a residential area with like manicured lawns and stuff, yeah, you don't really want to be. Bring it in in excavators to drag out your drills because they've just buried themselves in mud. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. You just get that thing just buried down in there. And then you got to wait, you know, a couple of weeks for it to dry up enough to go get it out or whatever. That would suck. Or you could just uh, bring in the tractor, I guess. Hook it up. That's what yeah. you guys are used to, right? Yeah, we have done that before. We've had, uh, actually, so I've been watching, uh, I don't remember the actual official name of the show, but it's... Uh, on Amazon, Jeremy Clarkson uh, from Top Gear and Grand Tour, a bunch of other things. Uh, he now has a new show about farming. <laughs> um, and it's quite funny because he's a big, bombastic, eccentric, you know, automotive journalist. And he's owned a farm for about 10 years and now he's actually going to run it. And so it's hilarious. But um, one scene, he gets something stuck. Uh, an excavator stuck at the bottom of a hill after it's been raining. And uh, there's a whole scene. Yeah. Uh, chronicling the uh, recovery of equipment at the bottom of a hill in mud. It's fun. I mean, I've been there, but it's funny to see somebody else going through it. Mm. So you, uh, you're so popular uh, at... Uh writing about cars and making a show about cars that they decided to do like a reality television show about you. Is that in essence what it is? Yeah. Well, I mean, he has developed quite a following because I mean, like at one point top gear was the largest, most watched show in the world. Really? With an estimate. Oh yeah. Uh, estimated audience of like 350 million viewers. Like regular um, television show, I guess. Yeah. Oh, okay. Hmm. I mean, you know, just I mean, Top Gear itself has been going for decades, but like he rebooted it in early two thousands on uh, BBC, and then um, you know, kind of left in a blaze of glory about five years ago, hmm. and then uh, Amazon picked him up 
to kind of do the same show but on Amazon Prime. And then now, like, you know, of course he brought his co-hosts with him. And then, uh, you know, they've all done their own Amazon spinoffs. And I guess this is, like, Amazon's biggest show. Like, his car show on Amazon was the biggest Amazon show by far when it debuted. And now his farming show is, again, the biggest Amazon show. Hmm. So just a good person. I, you know, I've seen him do a couple of things because I watch a lot of British television, but I can't 100% remember what it was. And uh, I do believe he all, came off pretty charming. Yeah, the, you know, there's all kinds. Like, you know, like, you know, most of those TV host people, they do all kinds of stuff. You know, he was on, are you know, hosted who wants to be a millionaire over there for a while. I mean, you know, he has, like his IMDb has dozens or hundreds of things. I mean, it's, you know, all those hosts just do everything. Stay busy. Well, there's but, only yeah. like... Uh, 40 uh, British actors and uh, you can't have another one until one retires. So they, they kind of have to do everything. You know, it's in their contract. <laughs> All right, ma'am. So let's, uh, let's get this stuff out of the way. So we do have a new patron and I'm willing to bet it's a name that's familiar to most of the folks listening here. This guy really gets around Jeremy Austin, our uh, resident um, Alaskan, I guess I met him at a mom long time ago. Super nice guy. What is he like? He seems like he should be singing in a folk band, you know, wearing like a <laughs> like a like a bow tie and everything. And it actually, I think he is really musical. Super nice guy. So it's really cool to have him in there. Uh, we have a preseam channel fired up now, and he's in there uh, fixing everybody's problems. So if you have any problem with your preseam, just go in there and Jeremy will fix it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and actually, I think I have met Jeremy more times than I've met you. Oh, most likely, because I think he goes to all the uh, Wispapaloozas and all that good stuff. And especially yeah. now in his role at Preseam, he's definitely going to be doing all that stuff. So he'll be at all the events. So uh, familiar face, man. It's uh, it's cool when I see kind of those other worlds sort of collide with this one. It's pretty neat. But to become a patron, you go to patreon.com forward slash the Brothers Wisp. You toss a couple of bones and you get access to all the <laughs> Jeremy Austin that you can handle. You know what's funny is the, the name... J-E-R-E-M-Y. I always want to say it like you're covered in germs, Jeremy. But uh, I believe it's Jeremy. But it sounds weird when I say it that way to my ears. Well, you know, well, you know he's in Alaska. You know, they, yeah, it's kind of backwoods type stuff. You know, they get a little germy. <laughs> I would imagine. All right. Let's hit uh, some of our sponsors. So, uh, again, like always, brought to you by Sonar, a scalable, intuitive, and comprehensive ISP billing and operational support system. Learn more at sonar.software. <laughs> Mikey, you want to do the quick bit? Sure. Uh, Quickbit.com, indoor and outdoor 60 gigahertz kit that just set it and forget it simple. Crazy feature set for the price with API, deployment tools, solid distance, and up to eight clients per hub. Um, as of a couple months ago, now with a website you can order from. Mm, that's K-W-I-K-B-I-T.com. That's C-O-M. Uh, let's see. We also have TowerCoverage.com. That's Tower Coverage is your RF propagation system to empower your network. Real-time data metrics enable your coverage area, reach your customer base, and more. The industry's best RF propagation mapping system allows website integration for customer sign-up and pre-qualification. Use this data to scientifically plan expansion and help your WISP succeed. Get a free trial today at TowerCoverage.com. Uh, speaking of Tower Coverage... Uh, that comes from uh, Denny Burgess over at LinkText, and they now have uh, cloud.linktext.net. It's supposed to be a microtech control system. I want to say that he said you get two free 
devices, I guess in perpetuity, I'm not sure. Um, but after that, I think they said they're charging like $6.50 a year per device, which sounds pretty reasonable. Um, he was saying you could do mass configuration push to your kit, I believe backups, various things like that. So uh, it is so brand new that just hit the, uh, the announcement area like two days ago. So I haven't talked to anybody that's played with it yet, but I'm willing to bet some folks are gonna try it out and uh, reach back out since it is a brand new product i would expect that there is a lot of room for growth in there so be kind and uh give uh, detailed feedback to uh to those folks because <laughs> remember uh you know nothing is uh perfect when it first shows up so go check it out if you guys have the time and inclination what do you think about it mikey um i haven't looked at it um obviously i'm I don't have time to do the things I'm supposed to be doing, much less looking at new things. Mm -hmm. um, it, I guess many viewers might notice I probably missed the past like two months worth of shows. Um, busy. Gas. Um, Mike has uh, a life. Heaven forbid. <laughs> but um, I do, uh, I did see somebody, you know, some banter back and forth about it. Uh, somebody asking about, uh, you know, different functionalities and things. And somebody... I don't know if it was somebody with link text or just a, a user um, had mentioned that, you know, no, it's not like a direct Unimus competitor. Like, you know, in the use case that was being pitched, you know, they said, you know, Unimus would be the better solution. So it's not, you know, I guess there's a Venn diagram probably of overlap, um, you know, di different things that both platforms do, but I'm sure there's plenty that, uh, both platforms do that the other does not. Yeah, yeah. And this is my impression. Again, we love speculating about stuff we have no uh, knowledge of. This is fun. Uh, sure. <laughs> well, imagination you know, hour. You know, it's easier to get information out of someone if you say something that's wrong because then, <laughs> then they'll correct you. If you ask them for information, they, they may not tell you. But if you say something wrong, Guys, they will correct you. So you're saying we just go around slandering everybody and wait for them to correct uh, whatever it is we say. Not slander. If you say I think or I wonder if, <laughs> I think that guy's like a complete that. turd. Yeah, yeah get it. <laughs> uh, uh, but from my estimation, in though, my opinion, <laughs> right? The uh, the cloud Lintex thing is supposed to be kind of like um, uh, I'm not saying Fisher Price, but kind of the easy button for administering. Sort of. I think it's more from the administering sort of part that's supposed to be clicky clicky, easy to do and. My understanding is Unimus is more vendor agnostic, right? It's not just Microtech. The idea is you can uh, back up, but then you can do all of the extra cool features. And Thomas would always uh, scold me because I can never remember enough of the cool features. And he's always adding new ones. I saw they just put out, um, was it 2.1? And it's got a lot of new features in there. So that's Unimus dot, is it dot net? I think so. Yeah, so you can pop over there and check it out. There are some new cool features and he's always adding uh, new cool stuff to the blog, so definitely check that stuff out. But that, yeah, that's going to be, you know, I mean, the idea of Unimus is it can handle all of your infrastructure. So it is uh, really great at backups and diffs and all that good stuff, but it also does um, configuration push to that kit. So definitely check that stuff out. Oh, and I uh, I woefully haven't kept up with as, uh, as much of the Unimus stuff uh, as I should. So I, I feel bad that I can't. Uh, speak too much about it. Let's see. Uh, it, uh, 
one of the new things in 2.1, granted, I I wouldn't do this, not because I wouldn't want to, but just because I would... Time. Um, but one of the cool things they added was... Uh, so, like, you know, the, the whole thing is a... You know, it's a change log. You know, what has changed from one version to the other of your configuration. Um, and lots of devices make lots of little changes to your configuration output that are irrelevant. Um, you know, time and date mm -hmm. that the backup was pulled. You know, what the hash is of the current backup, which may or may not include other dynamic things. So on and so on. And, uh, you know, they do a, a pretty good job about keeping up with um, things that the system ignores, whether it's they ignore it in the backup period or they ignore it when doing a diff, so on. Um, and one of the new features allows you to specify your own parameters of things that you do or do not want to backup. You know, if there's, you know, some platforms will output dynamic, you know, DHCP leases. And if you don't care about those, then they're just wasting your time. Hmm. So you can, but someone else may want them. So, you know, Linux can't ignore all of them. So that lets you, you know, put in your own regex or whatever. And, you know, I don't, I don't care about this. So that's, that's one of the new things in two one. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. I saw there was some other stuff in there too. I, uh. I just didn't dig deep enough in there. But yeah, definitely go check that out for you guys that uh, are interested in backup or configuration push stuff. Two cool options to go and uh, kick the tires on. Sure. All right. Let's talk about uh, RouterOS version 7. There was a link uh, that somebody put on the Slack to a forum post where there was a Microsoft employee, uh, I guess maybe getting a little defensive on some stuff and saying, you know, that they, uh, they don't have to offer up this information. They're just trying to, you know, keep everybody in the loop. Uh, and in that he detailed some stuff, which I thought was pretty interesting, which obviously that's why they put the link in there. Cause it was pretty interesting stuff, but they're talking about version seven and its stability. And they were saying that they have a stable version, but it is for the Chateau products only. Um, what are the chateaus, Mike? Aren't those like the, the 5G home CPE thing? 5G LTE home, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, which which I would, I think that would then, you know, be the products that LMT is looking for, Latvian Telecom. And, um, you know, that's, it just seems like that's been a lot of the drive on a lot of the V7 stuff is, you know, the kind of partnership with them. And, um, that's what a lot of this uh, is for. Mm. They also say stable does not mean bug free. <laughs> All right. It's just, it's ready to go into production environment. Um, so I have that's, that's interesting and promising. I think they said uh, currently the showstopper for stabilizing version seven is forward slash routing. So it's, you know, it's the routing piece. <laughs> he also goes on to talk about how uh, people say, well, why don't you just throw more programmers at it? Why don't you put more engineers on it? And his example, which I had never heard before, um, which oh, was... I've, I've heard it many times. You've yeah. heard this? He said, uh, I can't bring... What does he say? Nine pregnant women cannot produce one baby in a month. 
right? So it's just because you add more programmers, which absolutely makes sense, right? If they're uh, unfamiliar with whatever uh, area these programmers are working on, they have to get up to speed, right? They have to follow all the criteria, you know what I mean? So it, to me, it makes sense because you would lose time just training those guys. Um, so it does seem like it makes more sense to just uh, let those guys buckle down and do what they do best and hopefully get done. I was just, I, I found that interesting. I had never heard it uh, put quite that way, but it, you know, it makes sense. It, um, well, and like so many, you know, so many things are, are produced by such a small group of people. I mean, like, you know, even at Microsoft, Facebook, Google, whatever, it's like, you know, one guy makes this whole thing. And then all, you know, other people grow onto it and build off of it. And, you know, other people will then a- a- attach APIs to it or they'll, you know, do a new UI. But initially, you know, this mega hit feature, it's just one guy did it. And then, so, yeah. You know, that's kind of the similar thing here is that, you know, you're only going to have one or two guys that are doing, you know, the BGP routing stack. Because really, it's like, if you had 15 guys working on it, like, you're just going to spend more time managing the 15 guys to make sure that they're not coding over each other or this or that. And, you know, stick a guy on BGP, stick a guy on routing, stick a guy on integrating the two into the one route table, you know. There's some, there's some, you know, uh, you know, parallels that you can do there, but yeah, you know, there's only so much you can do before it's just, just wait. Yeah. Just, uh, give it time. Be patient. They are actively working on it. And, um, in my estimation, you know, we've seen, you know, hidden inside of the, uh, version seven betas that we've already seen a lot of new product numbers. Now, some of those may never see the light of day, right? It might just be uh, internal things that they're testing and working on. But to me, whenever I see a lot of like brand new hardware, like especially when they're moving to like a, a whole new um, CRS train, like from the 300 to maybe a 400 or 500 or whatever it was, to me, that says it's probably going to be new hardware chipsets. And so, you know, I, I would think version seven would probably uh, work a little bit better on the newer stuff. I mean, you would, you would estimate that it would. So it seems like there would still be a, a pretty big push to, to get that stuff out just so that they can move forward with all this new hardware instead of constantly having to try and integrate into the old and then work on the new. It seems like, you know, push, 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 get the, get the new uh, version seven out so we can concentrate on that. But I don't know nothing about nothing. It just seems like it might make sense. Yeah. Um, I thought it was this post, but I'm not finding it right now. Of course, I'm not reading it word for word. I'm just skimming. But I thought somebody was saying that, you know, that some of these new products um, are waiting on stable slash routing. So it's not like they're just screwing around. Like they already have, you know, new things in the hopper ready to go. And they're waiting for slash routing to be done and stable and complete. Mm. Um and um, so that's, you know, there's a big motivator from other aspects as well, not just we, the users, complaining. I'm sure they want it done just so that everybody will shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it haunts their dreams. People constantly asking about when version 7 is going to come out. So, yeah, I'm sure for everybody involved, we're, we're all looking forward to it. All right. So I had kind of... Uh, 
I came up with a solution and I was just curious uh, what you thought about this. I ran into a scenario where at my uh, MDU, I lost one of the switches. So it just, it like went offline. So I logged into the core switch and I take a look, you know, cause it's one of my edge switches. I logged into the core switch and I just see that there's no power being received, right? So the optics not seeing anything, you know, I showed the, showed the transceiver results and it's just nothing's coming in. So, uh, one of my users called in like shortly after I noticed that. And so I'm talking to him and he's like, yeah, man, like, uh, I'm not able to get anywhere on the internet. I say, oh, so you mean you see your wireless network, you're connected to it and you're just not able to pass any traffic. And he goes, yeah. And I go, okay, well, in my head, that means, well, the switch still has power, right? Because I'm POE powering his Wi-Fi router in his room, and that's how he's seeing it. So it's like, oh, it must still be up. Uh, so I'm like, oh, crap. Either the cable got broke, the optic busted. You know, I mean, anything could have happened. And this is this is the MDU where I had those little brownouts, and it kind of lost a couple of optics. I was like, oh, it could have been anything, right? So I, uh, I text the manager, and I say, hey, was anybody working in this area? you know, right over here, uh, starting at about this time. And the guy replies back, he goes, uh, give me just a minute. Let me go take a look or whatever. And then, uh, I get a text like five, 10 minutes later. Hey, uh, yeah, the breaker was flipped in there. So we just flipped it back on, take a look. And sure enough, my switch comes back online. I see that guy's unit come back up. So that guy obviously was lying to me and I don't know why it's, this is like, uh, you know, like, uh, the show house, this is that scenario where he said everybody lies and it's uh i don't necessarily think this guy was lying to me i think he just had no idea what i was saying and he was just agreeing to whatever it was uh but if, uh, it if was agreed so you don't look dumb it was just power and so i was thinking well how do i tell if like a remote idf loses power in this joint and so what i've got right now is i've got all of the optics and cables to run redundant links right so secondary uh, sfp plus port i'm gonna bring those back so i've got a, a nexus 3064 so i got tons of ports 10 gig ports on the inside on that core switch so i'm just gonna have two interfaces going everywhere and i was thinking i can have my monitoring package just watch the up down status of those interfaces right if i lose both at the same time it's got to be power right but if i just lose one then you know i lost an optic so i can uh, alert uh, based on that but I was thinking in a world where I don't have the option to run redundant or, you know, maybe I don't have the money or whatever happens to be. Can you think of a solution where I could tell if power was lost in a little remote IDF? I couldn't think of one other than the redundant port thing. Um, well, so there's a variety of things that come to mind. Um, the the most obvious one that there must be a reason why not to do it a, a small ups that plugs into a microtik that has the ups package and then you watch the ups status on that microtik is the ups you know the ups tells you hey i'm on battery well you've lost power and at least then you know you know you don't have to have hours and hours of battery but long enough, you know, say at least 10 minutes for your monitoring tools or your SNMP trap server to then fire off and say, hey, this thing's now on battery. Yeah, I, I almost, I almost, I can't say always, but I almost never uh, put UPSs on those edge switches because I usually don't really care. Because if like, 
an edge switch loses power, like in IDF seven, then it's highly likely everybody around there lost their power too. So they'll hopefully have some understanding there. I've still gotten phone calls when the power's out of the place, but not like a lot, right? It's like, ah, my Wi-Fi is down on my phone. It's like, yeah, there's no power at the place. Oh, okay. It's, you know, it didn't really occur to him, but you know, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to shame those people for that. Uh, but yeah, I guess the idea of a UPS and then, yeah, just something monitoring power, then firing back something or whatever. But yeah, that would be, I would think the extra optic and fiber jumper would be cheaper than doing that. But what if your switch didn't have the additional ports available to you and that was your only option? I guess that would make sense. That would be a good workaround. You know, or, you know, if you didn't have diverse fiber, if it's in the same cable and, you know, a contractor hits the one, you know, hits the fiber cable. Hits the trunk then, going back. Yeah. 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 You know, then it looks no different. Uh, I just checked. I don't know if this particular model um, works with the MicroTik feature or not. Just because I know the feature is old. I don't know if uh, APCs change things, but they have a uh, a new UPS here for fifty three dollars, uh, four hundred twenty five VA. So it should be more than enough to keep the switch running for a while. Um, but then uh, another, you know, of course there could be other gotchas, just something. Yeah. Um, another thing I could think of would be um, you wouldn't, like on the same power strip or whatever, you could plug in a cheapo microtick, you know, map light or something. Um, that's broadcasting an SSID, and you have another one somewhere that's just watching for all your SSIDs. And if your switch is down and the map light is down, then you've lost power, you've or lost somebody power. else is in there screwing with stuff. Yeah, you know, for sure. Obviously, you can you can never tell the difference between a loss of power and somebody in the room <laughs> yeah. messing with things. That just made me remember um, I was doing some work with like these fiber guys in town. And I was, uh, was it in the training or maybe, maybe it was either in this training or this documentation on Sienna kit. Oh, I remember I was looking through the documentation. It had this feature called last gap, last gasp. So that if it lost utility power or DC or whatever happens to be, if it lost power source, right, it's still going to function for, you know, some number of, well, some fraction of a second. And so it'll detect that. And then it'll send this last gas, um, message out like to the uh, monitoring system or I think they had something called like one control or something I think for the Sienna's like it was the master controller so it would send out its last gas message that like oh utilities down so you know just before the switch blinked off uh, into the void it would actually notify which I thought was kind of a cool uh, feature yeah it's, uh, yeah, it's uh, all of our zone uh, ONTs have a dying gas feature where they you know when you go check the alarms, you look at, you know, oh, you know, there's no light, there's no this, there's no that. Oh, there's dying gas. Okay, so it lost power somehow. That's cool. Yeah, I'd thought about it uh, after the fact. 
<laughs> you know, after I had talked to that guy, I was like, I could have just connected to one of the access points because like they're all managed in all of the rooms. So I could have just connected to my nearby one and uh, done a scan to see if I saw any of the SSIDs from any of the other rooms. And, you know, I, I would have seen nothing there and I've been like, oh yeah, the power's off. I just for whatever reason, it didn't occur to me. But something automated connected to my monitoring, I think would be preferable. So those sure. are a couple of good options. I kind of like the idea of, of the wireless thing. It's kind of a, a clever idea because you could have just it connect back into the network and you're constantly monitoring it. And if it switches down and it goes away, yeah, that makes sense. You know, you know, if this and this, that's the problem. Yeah, easy peasy. I like it. Rubber ducky debugging. Worked it out. All right, man. Let's talk about, uh, we'll talk about my positive vendor experience. And then we can have you go on a patented Mikey rant, which has been a minute. People, I'm sure people miss the rants, bud. But uh, I had an unusual positive experience with a vendor just recently. So since I started working at Red Hat, I'm working on a product that's automation, right? It's an automation product. And so, you know, the real power of automation is to be able to connect to other things and like do stuff with them. So I try and find popular products and software packages and things like that, right? And attempt to automate them. And so I reach out to a lot of vendors all the time. You'd think a big company like Red Hat would have like all of these pre-established systems and like we would have like one of everything inside, but we don't. So like in sales, uh, or at least on the sales side, because that's where I live, um, we kind of just kind of go and fend for ourselves and do our own thing. And so I'm having to establish relationships with a lot of different people. And I've noticed the bigger the vendor is, the less inclined they are to give me the time of day. And I'm sure that's by no accident. But you know, it's like, we're a pretty big company. You know, we're a really well-known name. And most of the customers I'm talking to are like Fortune 500 customers. You'd think that they would want me to integrate with their product and show a demo to like my customers, you know? So it's like potential new customers for them, seeing it do awesome, interesting stuff. Um, but for whatever reason, it's just not the case. But I don't know. I can't remember if you were on that podcast or not, but I mentioned Batfish, which is um, like a configuration checking system that you don't have to actually do uh, virtualized machines. Like uh, you can create like a complete test network of your own and test, or you can make uh, VMs of your own and test like configuration changes and stuff. But in lieu of that, Batfish actually will take all of your configuration backups, interpret everything that it sees, and you can like test configuration changes. It's pretty neat little setup. Uh, they have an enterprise version that adds a lot of cool features. And so, I was like, hey, I want to use the enterprise instead of the open source version. Right? Most of the people I'm talking to are going to be the kind of folks that are going to pay for support or the enterprise version. And uh, their enterprise adds a lot of cool features. So I reached out to him. Uh, I got this guy, Samir, really nice guy. And actually, he was the guy who put together some of the cool demos I saw online. I was like, oh, small world. I get to talk to this guy. That's neat. Um, anyway, they hooked me up with like a version I can install and all that stuff. And I'm going through it. And, uh, it just, it keeps hanging up in this one spot. And so I hit up Samir and then he connects me with like a couple, like one of the C-level guys and somebody else on their team. They're like, they're not joking around, man. And, uh, like I'm sending stuff back and forth and they're like, let's just schedule a call. I was like, all right. So they schedule a call for late on Friday, right? Like 
the day before a holiday weekend. And they're sitting here on this, this phone conference with me or this Zoom meeting and we're going back and forth. Well, it turns out I, uh, whenever I installed Ubuntu, uh, it had the option to install Docker along with it because their system deploys container-based. And uh, so I was like, yeah, just go ahead and install Docker. And apparently it, it does like the snap install of Docker, which is just slightly different. And even though it was showing the same version, same API version, all the things looked right, it just wasn't quite working. So just did an uninstall of that and then installed it, you know, straight from uh, source. And it, I mean, within like five minutes, it was fixed and that was, was going up. But I just like the fact that they like brought in the big guns, like, uh, you know, probably the fact that I work at Red Hat is why I got, um, I got some juice, you know, I got some chooch factor just based on that name, but they were really nice guys, really easy to get along with. Um, really curious about, uh, my experience. Let me know how it goes, all that stuff. Obviously they see the value of getting their stuff in front of more people. Um, which, you know, definitely makes sense to anybody trying to sell a product, but, uh, it was just really refreshing from um, getting the cold shoulder from so many different people uh, to actually having like a real positive experience where they're like really locked in and, and trying to help you get the product going. And I'm not even giving them money. And you know what I mean? They're they're helping me out. So that was so, pretty cool. Give me free stuff. And now, hey, this is up. This is wrong. And they're still, they're still, you know, totally there. That's, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, to me, that shows... Um, real like love for your product. Like you really stand behind it. You believe in it. You know, you, uh, a lot of pride in your product. So I thought that was pretty cool. I liked it. So hopefully I get to do more of those guys. Hopefully I make a really cool, compelling, uh, demo that, uh, assists them as well. But it was just, yeah, I even told them that I was like, man, I appreciate it. There's so many people that I just got to fight and fight and fight to get anything from. So I really appreciate it. And, uh, they seem surprised because like it's the world we live in, I guess. I don't know. But uh, that was my positive experience. Mikey, what's your uh, <laughs> what's your rant about here as far as uh, vendors? I have a variety of complaints with one of my vendors, but I'm not ready to go into my specific situations yet. I'm still, still hoping that they're going to pull through and do the right thing. Um, and so kind of a pre-complaint, um, because this applies to so many vendors, um, we've gotten to an age where many vendors in an effort to get something out the door, don't actually make sure that the product is... I don't even want, like, I don't want to say complete. I don't want to say bug free because, you know, in today's age, you know, nothing's ever complete. Nothing's ever bug free because you're always doing something. You know, it's not a 1950s, you know, telco voice switch that's like, it's one and done and it just sits there and works untouched for 40 years um, or longer. Um, you know, these things are always getting new features, but it's like, the threshold at which so many vendors say this is good enough for the public it's just getting lower and lower and lower every single year 
like they just they treat what should be beta as GA. Um, and like ubiquity, like they haven't. I mean, they haven't really done anything reliably in years. You know, Unify Six is a dumpster fire. Um, I think they're I think they're finally getting it under control, but it's been on fire for a while. Um, you know, Sonar with V two dumpster fire, and, and then they abandoned V one. Um, you know, Microtech's a pretty good exception to that. Like they they let you up, you know up front. I mean, you know. Maybe they're a little too ambitious, but it's like, you know, here's our four different trains of firmware. And if you stick to the LT, you know, LTS, you're usually pretty good. Um, there's not too much bad going on there. Um, and of course, I had two or three others when I was stewing earlier uh, that I can't, I can't, I just can't, can't think of right now. But just so many vendors, it's just quick to push something out. You know, there was Cambium on the, uh, uh, on their AC products, there was a lot of unhappy people right away. You know, the PTP 550, I think it was, was the first one they came out with. There was a lot of unhappy people right out the gate. Um, and I don't hear anybody talk about it anymore, so I'm assuming that either everybody gave it up, or they fixed it. Oh, get to work, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> um... But just so many, you know, just so many of our vendors, it's just, you know, get crap out the door and then, you know, we'll figure it out later. And that's just, it's not acceptable. Like, if you're going to be beta, then great, be beta. If you want, like, you know, Google, you know, how long did Gmail run as beta? You know, Gmail was in beta for like 10 years, like it was well past production grade before they said, yeah, you know what, this is no longer beta. Um, you know, Google uh, Fi on the phone service, that was several years of, of Fi before it went from Project Fi to Google Fi to signify that it was finally production. Um, you know, why... Why have they, like, I mean... What do we have to do to get them to realize that that's not okay? Well, with the Google stuff, <clears throat> as you said, they uh, they gave the moniker like it 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 is beta or you know it is a project. So they, I mean, in the name of the product, it was pretty clear that uh, you know this thing we're we're saying it's not ready for prime time, even though a lot of people were using it for prime time for a long time. It makes me wonder: is it? Do you think this is something more common to kind of the niche providers? like guys that are providing a product to kind of a, a smaller subset of people, you know, like maybe it fills this little gap in the market over here. It fills that little gap over here in this market, as opposed to kind of like the, you know, the big providers, like you think, uh, uh, you know, your Microsoft, your, uh, your Googles, even though we sort of talked about it being with the beta product and stuff like that. But, you know, just the idea of, of releasing buggy code or, or whatever. Yet, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I would like to get, you know, feedback from the viewers. Like, you know, what vendors stand out as vendors that 
you know, they really do a good job at keeping, you know, with, like with Microtech LTS, you know, they do a good job of keeping a, you know, here's a solid production grade line that you can work with. And differentiating that from the, you know, version 7 beta where it's like, hey, you know, we don't even guarantee that your device won't catch fire. Just, you know, here's the software, you know, let us know what you think. You know, I like to I like to get feedback from the viewers, you know, which which vendors are in which camps. Or if a vendor's in more than one camp, you know, get specific, you know. Many vendors have many lines and some of them are much more production grade reliability you know, than others. Um and they change over time. You know, some product lines used to be pretty rock solid and then they've kinda wavered. So I like to get some of that feedback so then we can try to figure that out. You know, I mean, obviously, we're not likely to get, I mean, you know, I guess, you know, there are some really big dogs in our space, you know, Cisco, you know, Cisco, Juniper, Arista, you know, people like that. But, you know, maybe we can try to draw some, some, you know, some groupings with these vendors or vendor product lines to, to try to figure out if it's the bigger, more general versus the more niche. You know, how does that... Because yeah, really, like, in our space, once you leave Google Hangouts to study to start doing stuff, speaking of beta products, it's gone <laughs> away. Um, it, uh, they, uh, you know, in our space, even the biggest vendors in our space, they're still niche players, you know, unless they are a juggernaut, you know. So... But, you know, let's try to figure that out, you know, let's get some feedback on that. Hmm. Um, plus, that helps us with our videos, because then we get people commenting. <laughs> <laughs> Shows up. Um, and kind of a tangent off of that, abandonware. Like, how many vendors are still charging you for a service that they've abandoned? Or a product line that, while they've not given an end of life, you know, determination, have stopped doing anything for. Like, that also isn't okay. Um, like, you can't just die and not tell us. Um, yeah, I guess. Now, if the company actually dies, then, you know, if the company bankrupts and disappears, then, you know, whatever, you're screwed anyway. That kind, of, like, that kind of makes me think of like um, open source versus closed source products, right? So like with open source, there's no guarantee. Like you don't know if it's going to continue in development tomorrow. You know, like if everybody decides that, you know, they're done with the project. And I, I've seen tons of open source stuff just kind of slowly, you know, wither on the vine and then, you know, nobody's touched it in forever and then it just disappears into the ether. Um, but I guess... With open source, there's kind of that expectation that there are no guarantees. Whereas if you're going to a vendor and you're buying a product, it just feels like, you know, hey, this thing will have support. Although, unless they guarantee you support for some amount of time, I mean, it's the same thing, right? That's like uh, when you get a job, there's no guarantee that they're not going to fire you tomorrow. So, sure, but like you know, if you know, like I. Like, that makes more sense for, like, one-time purchase type things. Like, you know, I bought a piece of hardware. You know, I'm not a... Like, 
It's still not excited by the idea, but it's more understandable that eventually they stop doing it. Although, be transparent. Tell us, hey, we're not going to develop this anymore. Um, oh, just come right out and say it? As opposed yeah, to just, just stop adding features or fixing bugs or whatever? Yeah, like, you know, you know, just, you know, as opposed to the just, you know, stop, like, you know, because so many things have been, you know, oh, there's still these bugs. There's still this feature that, you know, tweak a little way. Then they just say, okay, yeah, yeah, we'll be on it. And then years go by and then, like, there's not just that that feature hasn't been released, but like, there's no new feet, you know, there's no new versions at all. Hmm. So it's like, okay, well, now what do I do? You know, that's one thing, but like if you're paying for like a subscription service, like at no point does it ever cool that they stop fixing it. Like you're, because like that's, that's, you know, it's a perpetual thing. That's the whole point of software as a service. It, you know, the reason why I'm not paying for the software up front and sticking it on a server locally and moving on with is because you are supposed to be maintaining this. Um, at least that's what they tell us. You know, that's you know that's why you pay now is because we have to do all these things for maintenance. Um, but a lot of vendors don't. And I'm not just trying to single anybody out. Like there are multiple ven you know multiple vendors I can think of at the top of my head that have done this. They just stop supporting something. Um, so yeah, so I guess you know, you know, got some feedback there. You know, from from our viewers, is it the same companies that are pushing out crappy code as production and abandoning old stuff, or is it different groups of companies, or you know? Big versus small, or is it you know new companies versus old companies? You know, I'm curious if uh, kinda... if a vendor that was doing software as a solution product for you, and they said, "Hey, in uh, in ten months, this is going to be EOL. We'll still sell it to you, but we're not going to develop anymore." You'd be okay with that? See you later. <laughs> well, I mean, unless you had like a lot of your eggs in that basket, I guess you probably wouldn't want to jump ship too fast. Well, I mean, you know, I would know I had 10 months to leave because it's not just the fact that like, oh, this has the features I like, so I'm okay. No, like security and like, you know, oh, you know, there's a, you know, there's an exploit in whatever and, you know. I think most of them have been pretty good about that sort of thing, but it's just like, you know, if you've given up, let me know you've given up. Yeah. Well, even then, how much would you trust a, a product if they say it's EOL, but we'll continue to do security updates on it? You know, if they're not actively developing this thing, how, how much would you trust them to really, you know, take care of it and make sure that it's being maintained in the right <laughs> way? Slightly more than <laughs> if they said, yeah, no, we're just not going to do anything. Because at least... You know, at least then, if you make enough noise, but hey, you know, there's CVE whatever, uh, you know, in you know, Apache web server, fix it. Um, but yeah, you know, just disappearing, it's not, it's not cool. That's not cool. All right, man. Um, well, uh, I did have one more thing. It's a tangent off of that. All also, right. all right, what do we got? I'll, most of it's still the same 
train. <laughs> incomplete products and services. <laughs> I think incomplete's okay as long as they don't pr promise you that feature or function and it just doesn't exist. I think I think that's okay. Well, like, you know, the definition of complete will vary. But, like, again, you know, there's a lot of products that, like, you know, they, you know, or services, where and it's easier to notice this when they release new versions. Because it's like, you know, it's one thing if it's a feature that they've never had. You know, they've never had native Let's Encrypt support. Okay, well, you know what? That's annoying, but it's not the end of the world. But, like, if you had Let's Encrypt support in version 74, in version 75, you're like, no, I'm not going to have that anymore. Like, or, like, not, not that they don't have it, but, like, it's not there yet. We're waiting on it. <laughs> Yeah, like it's okay in beta. Not okay for production. For, for those big hit, you know. I mean, obviously, I don't expect one hundred percent feature parity, but it's like, again, you know, so many things from so many vendors, hardware, platform, or you know, platform software, whatever, you know, whatever as a service. So many of them are doing, you know, when they do a new, you know. Ubiquity's camera line. I mean, that's a... <laughs> every time there's a new one, it's a ground-up rewrite, and it takes them until the very end before they integrate all the features of the old one, if they ever do. Um, that's just this is one example of every every time someone rewrites something, they, they don't... Feature parity is nowhere near the top of the list of, you know... Major feature parody, I should say. You hmm. know, I don't expect everything. Hmm. I have a feeling I know what you're talking about when you're saying that. But, uh, yeah, but, I mean, you know, I don't, you know, I don't mean this about any one, you know, one entity is driving my current passion, yes. But, you know, there are so many examples of it. And I'm, I'm trying not to, you know, even though I did several times, you know, I'm trying not to, like, pin it on any one company because... So many of them are guilty of it. Um, and so that, uh, it's just, you know, also not cool, you know, because so many times I've seen in these different threads for different manufacturers, you know, people saying, you know, the new thing is not complete. The new thing is not reliable. The new thing is not whatever, you know, I'm not moving to the new thing until I'm happy with the new thing and then the vendors you know drop support for the old one or they you know force you to move or whatever and it's just you know a lot of people are just they end up leaving and it's like I'm not you know obviously I'm looking for things that help me but also they can help, help, help my vendors like if I know that lots of your customers will leave you if you make if you force their hands I want my vendors to be successful. So I don't want all of these other companies to leave because I want my vendors to have their money too. So right. that, that way then I get longevity. I get, you know, so it's, it's not just, 
me being self-centered, wine, 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 me, me, me. It's like, you know, I want you to be successful too. Yeah. So you can so, continue to sell me the products that I love and enjoy. Yeah. yeah. Makes sense um, to me. And, um, and a lot of people, they're just, it seems like a lot of them are just chasing the new people that really don't know anything. You know, it seems like a lot of the complaints are coming from the from the veterans and the new guys like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah, because you don't know what a what you're doing B, um, you know, what what they've already done in the past. You know, the company has demonstrated that they'll do something and then they stop. And it's like, well, yeah, that's going to be more infuriating to a veteran of that platform or whatever than a new guy yeah, for sure because the new guy didn't even know yeah or also say the new guy on the new whatever they develop process and procedure around the features that exist there right since they didn't know any different you know they're i guess uh spared that pain because they just didn't know that thing was even an option prior and they've made some work around to plug whatever that hole was sure Yet, um, you know, or they never knew that that was a thing they should be doing. Like, you know, it, like it's not even something they're doing a different way. It's just something that they've never done. And they don't know that, hey, we should, I should be doing this. Um, and uh, so, yeah, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of not cool as well, I guess, you know, taking advantage of the new guys. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what else to say there. You're uh you're dancing around your very specific problem a whole lot and at some point I assume <laughs> we may or may not talk about it. So I it's like I don't even know what to say. Do you have anything yeah. else on oh, this? Yeah. Uh, uh no. No. Um you know. Uh, uh we can step over the eggshells and move on to something else. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I'm curious about is uh this is going to... For now. I should get this edited and released on July 4th, right? So it's uh, American America Independence. What are you going to be doing to America. celebrate? Well, um, tomorrow, uh, which would then be today if it's release day. Yeah. Um, then uh, voice family's coming over, a bunch of grilling. Um, there's always too much stuff. There's always, always too much food. <laughs> like, like I don't I mean like you know, I know the whole menus in Google Calendar, um, but for like, for Memorial Day, there's like ten people, and we had like twelve or fifteen, like good thick like third pound hamburgers, nice, and about that many hot dogs, nice, and about that many. It's either brats or Italian sausages, I forget which. Nice. Um, and both of those were, you know, quarter pound plus items. Woo. You know, the the brats, the you know, brats slash sausages, you know, they didn't have a label, but the hot dogs were quarter pound as well. Um, there was eight to ten, you know, it was smaller fish, but eight to ten fish that we smoked. Nice. Um... I forget if there's another meat item or not, but that's just the meats. All right. It just sounds like you for, had a lot of leftovers, so I'm curious why you're complaining for, so much. Um, 
I thoroughly enjoy the leftovers, but um, <laughs> preparation can sometimes be stressful. Oh, there's also, uh, I think, eight uh, half racks of ribs. Nice. <laughs> so it's just like stupid amount of food. There's some grilling uh, fools, man. We never make that much. Yeah, and it's just like 10 people. Like, it's not like I'm feeding an army. It's just it's just like 10 people. Mm. This year, everybody's um, kind of spread all over the place for us. So we're just going to be kind of doing our own thing here. Do hamburgers, hot dogs. I think we're going to do a steak or two for the wife and kids. And then uh, I like doing hot dogs where you take like a bamboo skewer and you shove it through the hot dog, like, you know, lengthwise, like all the way through it. And then you take a knife and you cut it and you spin it like in a spiral you pull it out on the skewer like a slinky, and then you grill it that way. Then when you put it on your hot dog, well, one, or on your hot dog bun, uh, it gets crispy kind of in all the, the places. And that's one of my favorite parts. Uh, but then uh, it holds all of your condiments really well, right? Because it's got all those spiral openings in there. Right, so, the, <laughs> so you don't bite into it and the whole pile of relish just falls on your lap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Only <laughs> half the pile. <laughs> so it gives you a little bit more, get a little more bite, but it like, I don't know. It's just something about the way it kind of crisps up all the edges and everything. Man, it's tasty. Can't wait. Of course, every time we grill, it rains and it's been raining for the last two months straight. So we're in monsoon season anyway. So it's, it's very fitting. Sure. It, um, uh, one of the things I know, um, 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 that we'll have tomorrow is a uh, grilled chicken. Um, a few weeks ago, uh, I apparently grilled some chicken well, and I'm not like, I'm not afraid of the grill, but I'm not like some like, you know, Uber grill guy. Like I go to Google and I type how to grill chicken and then I look <laughs> for three or four or five, six pages and like, okay, you know, that's the one I like. I'll go with that one. Um, of course, this particular time, my wife was mad at me, so she was not participating in helping me figure out what it is that I should be doing. Mm. Um, and I was like, you know, I saw <laughs> one of the instructions was for um, uh, involved indirectly heating it on the grill because chicken tends to dry out and burn at the edges and things like that if you're not really careful with it. So I, uh, I gave that a try. It, it took forever, but it was some of the juiciest chicken I've ever had. So I did it again last week and a, a bit more careful about different things this time. Um, and it was even better. You know, there was, you know, less items that had little crisps at the edge. Because yeah, at the end, you'll end up turning it up so that you actually, you know, put some, you know, grill marks on it and, you know, you know, kind of, you know, harden some of the edges. But, that's one of the things that uh, I must be doing it reasonably well because like this would be like the third time within 60 days I've done it and I've never did it before. Hey, rock and roll, so, man. So thank you, Google, for, you know, Google and uh, LCD display thermometers so that like it says, do this until 150. So I just poke it in. I just wait for 150 and then do the next step. It's like, I don't Cooking... It's so easy. <laughs> just Once again, have Google a recipe. provides. Like, you know, have a recipe, whether it's from Google or a friend or something. Have yeah, a recipe. Yeah. Do what it says. Yeah, How I can't motivate hard? myself to cook. I'm just, 
It's it's I used to do it a lot, but man, I don't know. I just kind of fallen out of it. I need to I need to come back around. I need to start doing it some more because I actually used to enjoy it. You know, I, I liked kind of experimenting a little bit, adding a little of this, adding a little of that, and uh, come up with some interesting recipes. So I'm also it's a little a- bit more adventurous than everybody else in the house. So I kind of uh, am um, discouraged from cooking because like I'll add garlic until I can taste it and then that's all anybody else can taste. So it's, you know, it's kind of a bad combination there for me. Sure. Yeah. It's, um, and so, you know, I guess we have a pretty good combination in this house and that other than like a few things, I'll eat anything. Hmm. Um, or at least, at least try anything, you know, I may add something else to the list. I don't like, but you know, I'll try anything. You give it a day in court. I like it. Yeah. And then, um, you know, Kate, loves to cook and you know a lot of it's recipe based but then a lot of it is well i don't really like the way they do that so i'm gonna do something different and like that's not something i could ever do it's like i do exactly what it says and if it sucks i don't know i did what it said (laughs) um it's not my fault but you know you know she can take your recipe and mm, i don't like that part i like rest of it but i don't like that part so i'll change that or like you know she'll look at like a pile of like raw ingredients like well i can make this out of it and i'm like Okay, like I could go find a recipe then that tells me how to use those, but like I could never be like looking at a pile of disparate things and be like, I could make this and I only this much of each of those things to do it. Like I could, I don't know, I just I'd put them all into a bowl and get some big pile of slop is what I'd end up with because I wouldn't know how much. I don't know salt. I just I have a container of salt. Put some salt in there. I don't know. Does it taste good? I don't know. Was it uh, seasoned to taste? Is that what they call that? Yeah. <laughs> Some people have no taste. <laughs> so long as you're still capable of tasting, unlike me, where you just add, 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 add. Oh, man. Yeah. All right, man. Well, uh, I hope you have a good fourth. And all the listeners, I hope they have or had a good fourth because I doubt anybody's going to listen to this it's, on Sunday. They're going to be too busy. But uh, if these people... Uh, well, well, I guess as a tangent there, to try to solicit more viewer feedback, uh, what cool stuff did you do what unique yeah. things did you do for the holiday what stuff did you blow up with your fireworks stuff did you blow up what's you know great obscure thing did you cook you know i'm gonna watch the Whatever. tomorrow war that's gonna be the thing i do actually i kind of started it just a little bit in there and it uh it's somewhat interesting so far so i'm gonna i'm gonna stick it out that's gonna be my thing uh let's see mikey if uh, people want to pause their revelry and get a hold of you out on the internet, how would you have them do that? Patreon.com forward slash Brothers Wisp and talk to somebody else. <laughs> Unless you are the vendor that I'm having problems with, then you know exactly how to contact me. <laughs> <laughs> They've already blocked you on every means uh, or, or every every means of communication possible so far, so I wouldn't I wouldn't worry about uh, getting unsolicited calls from them. But uh, if you want to get a hold of me, you can do that uh, Greg at gregsoul.com. Contact us at thebrotherswisp.com. You can go to my blog, gregsoul.com, where I uh, I blog very rarely now. I'm, just, I'm, I'm getting back into... I don't think I'm going to... Because for the longest time I was doing it, one a week. I don't think I'm going to do one a week. But I'm going to try and maybe do like one every two weeks, something like that. So I'm going to try and keep that train rolling. Uh, let's see what else. Oh, yeah. Uh, my newest... LinkedIn learning course went live. It's my 17th one, but it's actually uh, a rebuild of the very first one I did. So if you've already seen like network CLI and protocols, then 
this is just a revamp of that. And honestly, the, the first one was made based off of Microtix, or not Microtix, Microsoft certification. So I kind of pulled out like old stuff that didn't make sense, like NetBuoy and stuff like that. So it's really just adding more Linux stuff. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, really protocols are protocols. They haven't changed that much. So it's just adding a little tiny bit of new stuff. Uh, but a lot of new graphics. Man, I was looking at like what I delivered to them last time and I was like, how'd you guys let me get away with this? Like I didn't have nearly enough graphics and things and diagrams inside my stuff, but that's on them. Anyway, uh, <laughs> questions, comments. As long as the check clears. Yeah, yeah, I know that's right. Uh, questions <laughs> and comments, keep that stuff coming. Uh, if you guys have anything you want to specifically see, we have actually are trying to line up dominoes for a couple of... Uh, interesting ones for you guys. So hopefully you'll see some of that stuff come down the pipe really soon. And uh, Mikey, thank you. All of our uh, fellow Americans, enjoy your fourth and uh, talk to you guys soon. Oh, oh, hold on. Oh, oh. Sorry. What? What? I didn't, I should have, I should have listened to the beginning, but now we'll see if anybody's paying attention at the end. Um, viewers comment if you recognize the building that is my background. I was, oh, wait, I better not say what I think it is because I might be right and I don't want to spoil it. So there you go. Well, yeah, because if you say it. Yeah. And then everybody else will just comment what you say. I'll so. say it as soon as we uh, stop the recording. All right. You ready to stop the recording? Right. I'm ready. All right. Good luck, guys. I'm going to hit stop on everything. Stop over here.